Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have with us today, longtime coach and founder of Savvy Performance, Tyler Cost. And coach, welcome. Man, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to see your face. You're one of my favorite followers on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so glad to be on the pod. I appreciate that. So Tyler, for a long time, was with PGC Basketball, where I'm sure some of you probably have seen his name before, at least, or maybe seen some of the things that he's produced with them. He's also the creator of Lock Left Defense, which is why he's here today. Before we get into the questions that coaches sent in, Tyler, you want to give people maybe a, a quick synopsis of Lock Left and even maybe, you know, kind of an origin story for the defensive system? Yeah, absolutely. So... It actually started when I was uh, still playing in college. Uh, we made it to, I played in, uh, in Canada in what's now U Sport, but uh, in Canada, it's their, their top division. So we made it to the national tournament and we ran into this team that has become a dynasty um, up there in Canada, Carleton University, and um, we got demolished. And uh, I was so frustrated. I was a point guard on my, on my team and I had my worst game of the season. Um, and I was like, why? Why? And so I was watching some film and as I was watching film, it just it occurred to me like, oh, my goodness, I was getting put to my left hand everywhere all over the floor. Um, and I was you know, making more turnovers. I wasn't as effective um, with my vision. And I'm like, that was really tough. And so I just began experimenting as I still played and I did some semi-professional stuff and then got into assistant college coach and still playing pickup. I just put into my personal defensive approach one-on-one um, -on -one even, um, instead of squaring people up defensively, put them to their left. And, you know, everyone has heard this very simple thing since they were a youth basketball player, right? Um, and yet, um, offensive players still go to their strong hand the majority of the time. And so I think, so I'm like, okay, what if we can just juice up the commitment level of this thing? So that was the origin story. Um, I founded a basketball club called Hoop Star Basketball, um, where we had youth teams that did play in the AAU circuit from fourth grade all the way through high school, all levels, 30 teams, guys and girls. And that's where I started to develop the system. Um, and I got to do that for 10 years, developing the system, um, and have now developed into 10 layers of how to teach it from a team concept. Um, and it's gone beyond just individual one-to-one -one defense um, to now, how can we actually shrink the floor? How can we keep our opponent from running what they want to run and getting their actions? How can we actually force the type of shots that we want? Um, and it's honestly just become a, a wonderful game changer. I just got a, a text message on Twitter yesterday from a coach I'd never even met before. And he's like, hey, I'm an assistant college coach, but I'm coaching my daughter's youth team. We put in lock left and held the opponents to eight points. They were so frustrated. He's like, this works. And so uh, those things just you know, really warm my heart, even coming from good coaches that are like, I'm going to try something really different. Um, and then them having success with it. And I'll finish up with this because I, I mean, you wind me up, I'll talk forever. Um, the, the beauty of it is how simple it is. Um, I think a lot of times we as coaches look for more complex systems in order to gain an advantage. And 
I disagree with that approach. I think that the best coaches can simplify things. Simplicity is the ultimate, ultimate sophistication. And that's really what lock left is. It's like, can we simplify things in players' minds so they can do something well? Um, there's more mental mistakes defensively than physical ones. Mm-hmm. We all know that. So let's eliminate mental mistakes first and then improve our physical skills. You actually answered my first question. The first question that was sent in and that I, that I often get is when I say, I ask anybody have any lock left defensive questions or um, have you heard of this before? And I had some reply and say, oh, yeah, that, that, that defensive system um, just shading left. Yeah, we shade left. And yeah. that really is kind of like the starting point for it. So we're looking here today kind of at the system as a whole and then, you know, the individual components of it off the ball. I think is where kind of the magic is, but it does start with the the on ball pressure of shading life left a little bit. So we'll start general here with the questions that have been submitted and, and get a little bit more specific. So to keep it general at the beginning, would you describe this as a pressure defense or more of a gap defense? Yes. And, uh, and, and so, so here's the thing. So coaches that are listening, if you approach defense, like a scientist, I think there's always going to be a ceiling on your ability to win late in the season against great teams. Scientists meaning like this is our formula and we're going to stick to this formula um, 100% of the time. This is the formula. Always do this. Always do this. And as coaches, a lot of us want that. We want a step-by-step process. Do this, then do this, then do this equals success. Um, But that's not how the great coaches find success. The great coaches tend to start that way. Like we start by learning and following the footsteps of someone that we respect or work for or whatever. But then eventually for any coach to become great, you've got to set out on your own uncharted path and you got to be authentic to you. And so I, I designed the lock left, not as a scientific formula, but as a blank canvas for an artist to go to work. And so one of the layers that we get into a little bit later is called shapes and colors. And it's really just trying to provide simple dials for you to use as a coach or colors to use in your canvas. So use whatever language you want. But what I, where I teach coaches to start is um, red, blue, green. And red, of course, is turn up the temperature, turn up the pressure. We want to speed up the basketball. We want to force more turnovers, knowing that we're going to force more shot attempts and probably give up more points at the same time. But we want to turn it up. And we want to turn it up when we have an advantage. When we've got a weaker backup ball handler in, when we've got a really, really good on-ball defender, um, when we're down at the end of the game, whatever, there's times to go red on it, right? And so there's going to be more ball pressure in red. We're going to extend ourselves out red, all that stuff right? Blue would be cool pressure. Let's cool it off. Okay. Uh, The other team's on a run. Um, They've got a, they've got a strong left-handed ball handler, right? We want to cool it off. Uh, We actually don't want to force the action quite as much. Let's just try to keep the ball on one side of the floor. Blue's cool. Green is go. Green is when you see an advantage, we're going to go for it, but we're not going to, we're not going to go if we don't have an advantage, right? If, if they lose vision, if they get out of control, if um, if they give it up early to a weak player on the wing, then we're going to go pressure. We're going to go for a quick trap. We're going to go for a quick, you know, skirmish and shoot a gap on a steal. That's green. Um, And so I would encourage coaches to use those dials to make lock left what you want. The principles always stay the same. We want to start speed and lock the ball to the left-hand side of the floor. The principles always stay the same. We deny one pass away right. We gap one pass away left. The principles always stay the same. When the ball gets to the left side of the floor, you're two passes away. You get on the wall and you overload it. Principles always stay the same. We switch everything off the ball. Your principles stay the same. 
but your pressure levels um, would change. Your shapes can also change. A shape is basically what I said, if you're going from a man to man to a one, three, one, to a two, three, to a one, two, two, to a matchup, whatever shape you want to, want to go, you want to extend it full court, two, two, one, whatever. That's just a shape. Your principles stay the same, but your shapes and colors can change. Those are the dials that you turn. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure a coach is there, they're thinking either about implementing it or, um, just trying to give context for what is this like in compared to what I'm already familiar with. And probably the two this day and age, the, what we're doing right now um, probably would be either something man to man involving pressure defense right. or more of like a gap, like pack line. Do you yeah. feel that from a teaching perspective that it's more or less, I know you talked about the simplicity of it at the start, yeah. But in comparison to teaching those types of systems, do you feel like lock left is, is more complex or less complex? I think it's less complex because there's, there's 10 layers that I take coaches through in our cohort training or the online course to implementing it. And how I've attempted to organize the layers is you could change nothing about your defense except for layer one, which is basically chase the ball where you designate your single best on-ball defender to then pick up the ball as early as they can without getting blown by to get the ball to cross half court on the left-hand side of the floor instead of the right-hand side. That's it. You can, you can stack a pack line behind it. You can get up the line and deny behind it. You can sit in a 2-3 zone behind it. Let's just get the ball entered to the left wing instead of the right wing. And you know what we found is most teams enter the ball to the right wing about 70% of the time. They practice it that way. They do it on the games that way. And so if we just shift that, they're going to rep that less. They probably have a weaker player on the left wing. And we're going to get a little incremental advantage and don't change anything else. Like that's pretty darn simple, mm -hmm. right? And then you go to layer two. It's like, okay, now let's change how we play next to the ball to even help influence the ball to the left side more, where we then are going to deny anything to the right. And we're going to be in the gap pack line more to the left. Right. So you can just kind of layer without without having to bite off. Here's the whole system. Um, and so that's why that's why I think it gets simple. You know, I'll, I'll say two more things that I think are really unique about lock left that honestly. It takes coaches some time to wrap their mind around and it's very uncomfortable. Um, so so but I do believe it simplifies the game significantly. Um, here's the two things transition and shots. The lock left approaches transition defense and how we feel about shots very different differently than transition uh, traditional defense so uh traditional defense when coaches are organizing their practice they will traditionally be like okay here's a chunk of time 30 minutes of practice we're going to work on defense and the majority of that chunk of time if you take it by you know minutes is working on your half court defense that's just that's how they typically do it yet games are won and lost with your transition defense I mean, regardless of defensive system, most teams defend in the half court when their defense is set pretty similarly from an efficiency standpoint. But where there's a wide range between the best defensive teams and the worst defensive teams is how they defend in transition. So here's what's uncomfortable for coaches and why I do think it's simple. In the lock left, you start and spend most of your time on your transition defense and you spend less time on your half court defense. You spend less time on your rotations. So really what half-court defense of rotation and shell is working on is what happens when we get beat or what happens when things break down or what happens when we have a long closeout, right? That's what you're spending most of your time on. Whereas what I attempt to do with the lock left is back things up three steps 
and say, okay, let's not spend time on fixing problems. Let's spend time on eliminating problems. And so we build transition defense very differently. Uh, traditional uh, transition defense is built from the basket and then out. Let's get back and protect the basket first and then go out. Um, whereas the lock left is actually built from the ball back. Hmm. We actually want to make sure that there's a presence, not pressure, a presence on the ball immediately that's starting, speeding, locking the ball left. Because um, I have found that that covers a whole host of mistakes. Right. Um, you look like you had something to, to, to say there, Tony. Do you have something to interject on that one? No, 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 no. That's great. And I think the the mentality of the the basket to the to the ball is we're seeing in modern basketball that being changed and questioned. Because Absolutely. then I've even felt had myself say this and, and felt myself change this through the course of a year or based off like a scout because of people running to the three point line. You're like, no, 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 don't go protect the basket. Go protect the shooter, which is the shooter is just the line from the ball to the most next most important thing. And yeah. I, I, from that perspective, think that this kind of even something as small as where we get our players to start thinking about what matters most and then what matters most next, um, that has changed our transition defense probably even in the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're probably ahead of the curve. Um, because as I present this, especially to high school coaches, like they're looking at me like I'm crazy, uh, right? Just absolutely crazy. But then, you know, coaches implement it and they're like, oh my gosh, I can see it now. I can yeah. see it now. I mean, why are we going to give up long closeouts in transition because everyone's packing into the paint and then running at the three-point line? Um, you know, there's really no reason um, for that. So, so it's the approach of transition, which is ball next to ball. And then our bears or erasers get back to the rim. Um, and, and then the other aspect of transition is this on offense, we've bought in to player roles for a long time, you know, I mean, even positions. And so that people can narrow in and get good at something and let's have them do what they're good at most of the time. Whereas defensively, we haven't necessarily gone that far. It's like, okay, you have to be able to do everything defensively. Mm -hmm. And so with, the lock left, we want to put our best defenders in positions to play the most defense and to get defensive mismatches. Hmm. And so transition in the lock left is regardless of what you're going to go back into, whether it be man zone, whatever, you have a defensive transition role that you're always going to. Because like we all know, many thoughts make for slow feet. So we don't want them looking around. Who do I have? Or do we have floor balance or whatever? No, you just put your head down and go to your area. And then you're playing relative to the ball in transition. Then you would match up into your man or go into your matchup zone or whatever from there. So that's kind of what's unique about the transition. And that split second of no thought um, has really helped teams improve their transition defense. Um, so that would be the one kind of unique thing. The second unique thing about lock left from a principal standpoint is an approach to shots. Traditionally, defense is intended to limit shots, take away shots, no shots, or at least contest them. Right. And everything is sort of like, OK, let's not allow them to get this shot off. Well, the lock left flips that completely opposite. The lock left wants to force shots. So instead of allow the offense to do its thing and hunt the juiciest stuff, which we all know are layups and threes and whatnot, instead of allow that to happen, we actually want to force the shot that we want as quickly as possible. 
And so the shot that we want is something in isolation. And we just define isolation as off the dribble. We want every shot taken by the opponent to be off the dribble. You know, statistics show that players will make about 10% less of their shots off the dribble, layups, mid-rangers, and threes, right? Then they will off the catch. So, so we want shots off the dribble to the left hand or on the left-hand side of the floor, and we want them in what we call the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, where, where it's de-weaponized, you're not dangerous. And the DMZ is basically that space inside the three-point line and away from the rim. So, you know, the dreaded mid-range, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we just want to force something mid-range immediately and quickly because the longer they can run their offense, the more they can switch sides of the floor, the more they can uh, take advantage of breakdowns, they can run their actions. Um, and what's really, really cool about the game today is everyone has a personal trainer that is focusing on them creating their own stuff off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And so even if their coach doesn't want them to, if we just encourage an offensive player to do their eight dribble combo move, they're going to oblige. Mm-hmm. And so that is what we're trying to do. And then the other way that kind of plays out is in the lock left, we don't help. And this is, this is another kind of concept that coaches like what? And of course there, there is help. It's just a way to shock the player systems because they've been taught from their defensive shell drill that on penetration, you go and stop penetration. But when you go stop penetration, you give up an off the catch, off the catch shot or an off the catch closeout, um, which is a disadvantage. So instead in the lock left, we want to fake help. Everybody one pass away is hunting passes, not dribbles. You're not hunting dribbles, you're hunting passes. And that's a completely different mind shift because we want them to dribble and shoot from the DMZ. Um, and so it also would juice up our, our turnover rate. Um, mm-hmm. But coach is like, oh, but we just got beat and gave up a left-hand layup, right? Yeah, but you just have to zoom out um, over the course of the game, a numbers game, because we as coaches hate giving up layups so much mm-hmm. <laughs> that we give up one or two. We're like, scrap it. We got to change it. Mm-hmm. And, all right, but no, just, just zoom out a little bit here and realize what you're not giving up. All right. And so that's kind of the, the second unique thing about lock left is we want to force shots. You just mentioned some of the things they can do to the offense. When you've seen a team go from their whatever defense they were running to the lock left system, what have been the biggest things statistically that have changed for that opponent, and whether that's points given up or, to your point, fewer threes or whatever, um, yeah. that has that has made that new system that they're running so much more effective? Yeah. So it's interesting. We just did a poll of the 124 lock left teams that I'm in touch with, and I asked them to give me um, – their previous season to this season defensive statistics. Um, so the three things that stood out, number one was overall defensive efficiency. Uh, their points per possession they, they're giving up um, from the defensive end went down about 0.2 on average, 0.2 points per possession. So very significant. Now, interestingly enough, um, while their efficiency improved defensively, their overall points per game that they allowed um, stayed similar. Now, I think that makes sense because we're forcing quick shots. They're getting more possessions on the offensive offensive end as well, and they're getting more stuff in transition. So efficiency went down, but their opponent's point per game overall didn't go down as significantly. It went down just a little bit because they were getting more possessions because the possessions were shorter. So I had a coach on a cohort recently. He's like, Tyler, you know, traditional wisdom is like if we're the weaker team, we actually want to slow down the game 
because we might have a chance of winning. Like if I'm playing Steph Curry one-on-one, you know, I might win one possession, but I won't win a game of hundred possessions. Right. And that is traditional wisdom, but I actually have kind of changed my stance on this a little bit for these two reasons. If you're the worst team, you're going to lose anyway. You might as well do it in an entertaining way. <laughs> uh, but let's give ourselves a chance. Mm-hmm. And two, at the end of the day, I'm a development coach. Um, I believe in development over everything. And so I would prefer that we double our possessions every day in practice in every single game. Because if you double your touches and you double your possessions over the course of years, your players will improve faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really the only way your program is going to improve is if your players improve. Right. And so, you know, it's like, all right, what are you going to sacrifice a win for a long term victory or not? You know, because think about your style of play over years versus what you do in a single game against a team you're probably going to lose to anyway in the middle of the season. Um, Minot High School was the first year lock left team up in uh, North Dakota this year, six, uh, eight girls. And uh, they ended up winning the state championship mm. this year. They beat a team that they lost to three times in the regular season in the districts by 20 points. Hmm. And, um, and so they were, he was actually debating coach was debating. He's like, Tyler, he's like, gosh, we've gotten crushed by 20 points. Do we change what we've been doing? Do we go away from lock left here in the state championship game? And of course I said, heck no. Um, and uh, he decided not to, he's like, no, we're just going to get better at it. Um, and they did, they got better at it. And by this, and they ended up with a state championship by eight points or whatnot. Um, and, and I just think that's a great testament to his commitment, but it's not about lock left. It's about whatever you do, you know, like whatever you do, like you have to, you have to stick to something and get better at it. Um, if you just change, you can make adjustments within it, but if you completely change your identity, you have no identity over and over again, like all great teams have an identity. So, um, that would be a, that would be one would be to get back to your original question, um, better defensive efficiency. The second one is lower three point field goal attempts overall. Um, like, so they cut them in half. Now their three point field opponents, three point field goal percentage didn't actually change that much. It was just half as many, mm-hmm. um, because the goal of the lock left is no off the catch threes. Um, every single catch should result in an immediate left-hand dribble ball handlers shouldn't be able to hold the ball periscope. They shouldn't be able to run actions, whatever. They shouldn't be able to get a shot off. Like, um, and there, there's a lot of technique things that we do, but we will fly by to make sure that they dribble the ball on a catch. There's, there's no off the catch shot. So that was, that was a, another one. And then the last one was double their turnover rate. They were forcing twice as many turnovers, um, which was, which was really good. You know, one of the negative things that first year lock left coaches have run into is they fouled more. They fouled mm-hmm. more when forcing the action and forcing downhill drives to the left hand, you know, the discipline of reaching and the discipline of walling up, um, it gets exposed if you don't have it significantly and so a lot of my second and third year lock left teams are now really working on foul discipline um but they did foul more that that's one of the negatives of first year lock left teams Hmm. let me ask you a few specific questions with this off the ball you mentioned uh let's just stick with just like one pass away yeah does one pass away look the same going both directions if i'm to your right or to your left and without feeling like you have to explain the entire system. um, Do you feel like that maybe is where kind of the magic is for this? I'm just thinking about Mm -hmm. when you played, when you started with your first illustration, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just the fact that they were making you go to your left the entire time. I would assume that as the primary ball handler, 
you you are seeing more than just a defender in front of you influencing you towards your left hand yeah no you're exactly right and i, I do and that's layer two um we, we call it space and snipe like how do you guard the space to the left and right of the ball and those players one pass away their primary goal is to snipe or steal passes right contest passes not dribbles um so yes i think that is the magic so as the ball is looking at the rim a ball handler looking at the rim to the right they're seeing one pass away deny and this is also part of the magic of the system. And this is another one that coaches really have trouble with. I've gone to the place of, I teach an open stance chest to ball deny, as opposed to butt to ball deny um, as, a, as level one. And the primary reason for that is what the ball handler sees. When a ball handler sees chest to ball, they're much less likely to attempt to penetrate and drive that way. They're helping to influence the ball left, right? The second reason um, that I really like that is we actually want to force back doors to the right as opposed to not allow a pass to the wing. And the reason we want to force back doors is because of how the on-ball defender's playing, that pass becomes really hard. And because of how we're playing two passes away, which is layer three, erase the rim, we're stacked up and strong at the midline and we're going to contest that back door. They might score some, but if they don't score, we're stealing it. We get transition buckets the other way, right? So how we're playing to the right there is a level one, chest to ball, chin to shoulder, deny. Level two, and our second and third year lock left teams have started to incorporate this, is instead of putting, if you imagine someone, chest to ball, deny, instead of putting their left shoulder on the line, chest to ball, I actually teach them to get above the line and put their right shoulder or their low shoulder on the line. Um, that even influences the ball more and forces an immediate backdoor. I think every coach in here that's ever taught deny has lost their marbles when they have a player that's supposed to deny and the pass goes through. And, and so, so I guess what you should take away from that, if you're having to repeat yourself, um, it's probably not good teaching or you need to change what you're teaching. Um, I would rather lose my marbles with someone getting beat back door than with the ball getting to the right-hand side of the floor. And so I actually put them high up the line there. That also makes it a lot easier to switch any sort of off-ball exchanges or cuts and fills or whatnot, which is how we're playing next to the ball as the ball sees to the right. The left, you're sitting in the gap. And this goes to what you were saying with what a ball handler sees. Ball handler sees two bodies on their drive line at all times, two bodies. They see one pass away gap. And then they see, two, they see two passes away, bear or eraser is what we call it. Um, they see two. So they're very discouraged. And we would prefer a pass to the left than a drive to the left. Right? So we would prefer that that primary ball handler, which is usually the other team's probably better player, we prefer they pass to the left wing. Now the floor just shrunk. We're guarding even less space. And we have a weaker player that then we are going to be sprinting to an immediate left-hand dribble with a smaller slice of real estate. So that's why we're, we're in the gap. And I teach gap is I want to make sure that they have a hand on the drive line. But where we don't give up one pass away threes is that gap defender is never stopping the drive. We know that, but the opponent mm -hmm. doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're never stopping the drive. When the drive happens, all they're doing is foot faking up towards the driver, planting and sprinting out, which means the majority of drives it's just a fake and run out without the pass even going there. But it's enough to at least give our on-ball defender a little help by making the ball handler hesitate. The only help that we'll give in the lock left is going to be at the rim with the bear. Once the ball handler's gathered and committed, 
it's a lot harder to make a pass um, as opposed to when they're under control. So that's that's kind of how we're playing uh, both one pass away and and then two passes away um, as well. I don't know. Did that answer your question? No, it did. And there are probably 20 follow up questions yeah. that I could ask <laughs> and things that I'm thinking about and things that coaches want me to ask, but I'm not going to do it because a, this is called a quick timeout instead of a full timeout. And then also I, I, I want people to go and find more about this and talk with you more about this. And I, even if I were to answer those questions, I don't think that we would do it justice in, in the time that we have in, in figuring out the entire system. So I think that was like a great little tease for what it can potentially do. And of course, there's you know questions about rotations and what happens yep. if, and a thousand what ifs. Thousand. Um, but I know you've got videos, and and that kind of leads me to the next thing. Do you, is is there anybody uh, teams maybe at like a higher level that are running this that maybe people could look to see what it looks like in a in a real game? Yeah. So you know the the high we have three college teams um, in AI NCAA Division three. And a, and a community college team. Those are the highest level teams that have gone all in on it. Like there's a hundred college teams, probably yours as well, that is like a spot, you know, hey, let's try it here like on an inbounds or, you know what I mean? But like yeah. consistently run it. Those would be the three highest level teams. We, hundreds of high school teams, you know, that have, have done well at state. And so the best way, I've got a, a Google link. And if anybody wants to just DM me on Twitter, at Tyler Coston, T-Y-L-E-R-C-S-T-O-N, or go to my website, tylercoston.com, send me a message and I will send you a link to uh, it's a montage of different teams running. So you can see what it looks like. Um, but I will also say this, watch how any NBA team guards a star player and you'll see lock left. Um, watch how anyone guarded Kobe Bryant, his entire career, and you'll see lock left. Um, I mean, and that's really where a lot of the research has gone. Cause like when you're playing against great players, you can't give them options. You're not going to keep a great player from getting a shot off. You're not going to keep a great offense from getting a shot off. You're not going to keep a great player from scoring. You're just trying to trim the margins a little bit. And so that's where, like, at the most elite level, I mean, watch watch Texas Tech or Baylor when the ball gets on the left-hand side of the floor. Watch how they play. They, go, they shift directly into a lock left. They just do it to both sidelines. Um, and, you know, I will say this as well. Like, at the lowest levels of play against the weakest players, lock left is the most effective. At the highest levels of play against the absolute best um, offensive players, lock left is the least effective, which is goes, <laughs> which is the same for everything that you're yeah. going to do. Um, but where I think you you'll see your greatest benefits is like lock left allows your your bad defenders to at least be mediocre, mm -hmm. your mediocre defenders become good, and your good defenders can become great. Um, that's 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 basically what it does. Um, and it allows you to hide some weaker defenders. So that would be my, that'd be my suggestions. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for stuff, it's just to email me. I can send you some stuff. Um, Indiana University East women made a nice run this year in, uh, in their national tournament. They ran lock left for the first time this year and really enjoyed it. So that'd probably be the easiest one for people to find on Synergy. Yeah, good. Do um, yeah. you have any the drills or small-sided games, or how do you how do you implement this? Um, in a, in a team setting at a team practice. Yeah. So if you, if you do take the, get the lock left course, which you get on my website, um, I've got practice plans. I've got drill books and games and, and they're numerous. Um, but here's, here's what I would suggest. Um, if you're just starting, 
I would go a whole part whole approach. And I'll, I'll give you a real simple three-step progression. If you want to just go experiment with it, with your summer league or summer stuff, coaches, um, I would go uh, first a game of five on five to five. Uh, five on five to five is great because it's very, very short and you can shut up and watch for five points, coach. Okay. Don't try to stop this game in the middle and teach at all. Just observe. Okay. I always play by ones and twos if we're um, lock left because we hate three pointers. So let's make them worth uh, twice as much as anything inside the arc. And so the offensive team's hunting them. And so defensively, we must take them away. So we're playing by ones and twos um, to five points straight up to five. And if any offensive player makes a right-hand drive to a right-hand layup that goes in, it's a knockout and the game is over. And I would say, all right, win. I wouldn't give them any technique. I wouldn't say we're running a lock left defense. I would say we're playing five on five to five. So now all of a sudden the offense is trying to get to the right hand and the defense is not letting them get to their right hand. And inevitably the team that wins that game gets a right-hand layup. And then I'll bring him in, do a quick debrief. All right. So does a left-hand layup hurt us as much as a right-hand layup? No. All right. Well, I guess you better at least turn that into a left-hand layup. Even if you're helping at the rim, just guard the right hand and make him make a left-hand layup and then play again. All right. So that would be the whole part. So maybe, maybe you play three, four games, right? A five on five to five. Then um, we go into a part part, the small part. And the way I love to start it is a game called three on three transition. Uh, which I've got the videos on my site, but then that's when we start to experiment with our transition roles. And I'll use, uh, we have different names. I'll use the animal names here. A lot of players like the animal names. We'll go wolf, tiger, and bear. So defensively, every time they've got to talk about what they are defensively as they transition onto defense, it's from half court to the rim, continuous. You can have three or four teams of three rotate through offense, defense out, offense, defense out. Wolf, tiger, bear. Wolf's job is to chase the ball. Wolves don't slide, they sprint. Um, and so their job is to find the ball immediately and their job is to chase the ball left. That's it. They can't let the ball get right, right? Tiger's job is to hunt passes from the, from the reeds, from the jungle. They're hiding and they're hunting passes one pass away. So their job is to pick up one pass away to the left, sit in the gap and hunt passes. And then bear. Our bear's job is to get back to the rim and contest everything at the rim. They'll, 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 they'll close out if they have to. Um, but that's what we're trying to do. And we play that game continuously, one shot only, seven second shot clock, and we're going. And so now we start to experiment with these roles. Then we go back to the hole. Let's play for the same five on five game again. But now, um, team of five, you have one wolf, two tigers, and two bears. You're going to go out that way. We need a tiger left and right. We need a bear left and right. Um, you're going to match up out of that. But every transition defense, wolf, you know what you're doing. Tigers, you know what you're doing right and bears you know what you're doing and so like there's very little teaching it's super simple but then we can observe and i think coaches you'll be amazed at the improvement in that 25 minute progression that you do okay so at this point there's probably some who are listening to this and and never either they had never heard about it or they've just seen it before and yeah. now they're intrigued and they want to find out more is it just would you send them to the website or is there a clinic yeah. that they should go and watch or where should they go if there's there's kind of still in that early phase but they do want to see more of what the things that you've been talking about. Perfect. Lockleft.com. L-O-C-K-L-E-F-T.com. You put your email in, you get three free videos um, that will take you uh, down the rabbit hole. And then if you want more, um, there'll be a follow-up email you'll get. It's like, hey, you want this free PDF? Yep. And then if you're convinced, then you buy the course and, uh, and you go to it. And then a lot of times coaches buy the course, they put it in and they're ready for their second year. And they're like, okay, I need feedback from you, Tyler. 
So then they go into one of our cohorts where there's like 10 teams from across the world. We actually have a, a coach in Germany that has a 20 team club in Germany wow. that's putting lock left in right now for their whole club. So you get to join people from across the, the world um, if you want to do that. But that's kind of like your progression. Lockleft.com to get started. Um, and you can always hit me up on Twitter, DM me at Tyler Costin, and um, I'll put you in the right direction there too. And then from the feedback that I got, there are some that are already running this, but the cohorts that you just mentioned, you start those periodically, right? Correct. Yep. So um, I'm going to be on the road all summer, actually doing install clinics uh, for a bunch of teams for both lock left defense and races face offense. So my next cohorts will actually start in the fall. I'll do a, a six week cohort starting in September and a six week cohort starting in October. And why those work so well is as you're starting your season, one part of the cohort is you send me video every single week. And I give you video feedback on your practices running it, on your individual workouts running it. And then once you get into games and your games running it as well. So that will be the, uh, the next cohort opportunities. We go for six weeks, meet live once a week. Uh, we have a chat, a text community, video feedback, and uh, you get the course as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, last thing before I let you go, you mentioned the Twitter account, but where can people can, where's the best place for people to connect with you, especially on social? Yeah. I'm, I'm Twitter only, you know, um, hopefully Elon Musk verifies me here shortly. Um, but yeah, at Tyler Costin, I'm not on any other uh, social media because um, I'm trying to uh, still have a life outside of my little screen. Um, but at Tyler Costin is it. That's Tyler Costin of Savvy Performance. Coach, was great talking with you. Thanks for answering all of our lock left questions. Thank you.